it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going all right. We get hockey to talk about, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately, we got to talk about <laughs> that game from this week. But, you know, it'll be okay. At least we got one game that we won this week to talk about, so that's good. Yeah, even if it was a little wonky, but it goes, it goes. Well, you know what, Tim? It's like they say, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Exactly. So, Tim, we got ourselves an episode this week, not only because, again, we need to talk about that game from Saturday, but we also got a great cover athlete to talk about for today's episode, Season 6, Episode 6, in chronological order, Episode 130, the Andrew Hammond edition of the Third Line Plug, SenseCast. So, just a little background on Andrew Hammond. He signed as a free agent with the Ottawa Senators in March of 2013. He played parts of six seasons in the NHL with four different teams. The Ottawa Senators, Colorado Avalanche, Montreal Canadiens, and New Jersey Devils. And he spent parts of four seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording a 27-14-6 record and a 9-2-3 save percentage. So with Andrew Hammond, Tim, do you want to start off talking about the Hamburglar run, or do you just want to talk about how he was involved in the Duchesne trade? Well, it's like, yeah, like the only reason that uh, Andrew Hammond is really remarkable in the NHL, other than some heroics in Colorado later, no, Minnesota, Minnesota, later in his career, it really was that period of about three months in to round out 2015, sorry, the 2014-2015 season where the Ottawa Senators were on the cusp of, are they in or are they not? And then he just carries the team right into a playoff spot. Yeah, that easily was one of the craziest runs in this team's history. And, you know, you think about those early to mid-2010 Sens teams. I think we talked about it with the Mark Gerber episode last week where you you made a mention. It really it went into this tenure in this era of the Sens where it was kind of, are they good? Are they not good? It was kind of in the middle of where the hell we were previously. With Andrew Hammond, I mean, he's one of these guys that you're absolutely right. I mean, that is what he'll always be remembered for. It was the hamburger run where the Senators, I think they were, what, 24, 28 or something. And then they went up and they just barely got into the playoffs. Because right near the end, it looked like, oh, maybe the Sens aren't going to finish this off. But I think the big moment with the hamburger run is the Mark was Mark Stone's OT goal against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That right there, that Chris Cuthbert goal of Mark Stone again. Oh, so good, man. Just well, I think soul. if we want to focus on Hamburger, the Hamburglar himself, we really have to go back to that California road trip where he steals all three and guys are saying like the guy can't even walk but somehow he's like stealing all these pucks for us because that i feel like was when the rest of the team turned around with hammond yeah because we were in that tenure of i'm trying to remember if memory serves me correct anderson was injured correct yeah he was injured and that's gonna be one of the biggest what ifs for the senators is i honestly believe if uh craig anderson started that playoff series against the Habs, ottawa would have won yeah, because he proved it in 2013. Well, he proved it in 2013, and then Anderson played 
phenomenally for the last four games of that series after Hammond gave up two stinkers. Yeah, but you know what, though? It goes back to what we're talking about with the goalie situation last week, right? It seemed like with Anderson where he definitely seemed more like a like a placeholder more than anything else. He didn't seem like a legit starter in Ottawa. And yet you look at all the goalies that went through the system in Ottawa over those 10 years that he was there. I mean, you're talking from Hammond. Yeah, Hammond, Leonard, Bishop, Broder. I mean, you go through the list of all these goalies, Brian Elliott that went through the system. No, sorry. Brian Elliott went um, to Colorado for Craig Anderson, but See what I'm talking about, right? It's the goalies that came through the system, and yet Craig Anderson's the one that came out the other side. Yeah. Although, like, to be fair, it was like the only real ones that kind of pushed were you had Laner and you had Bishop. And that was just within one year. And then unfortunately for Andrew Hammond, the guys, the guys' hips just came out on him. Yeah. Now, actually, I do gotta make a correction here because remember when I was bringing up the background on Andrew Hammond. Was I mistaken when I said he played for Montreal? Can you, I believe mind, he was signed with Montreal. Montreal. Okay, do mind, yeah. Do you mind looking it up real quick? Because maybe I'm missing something. Because I do recall him now. Now that you mentioned, I remember him playing for Minnesota. I think I might have missed a team there. Yeah. So Hammond uh, came out of Bowling Green State University, played for the Ottawa Senators for parts of four seasons, then went mm-hmm. to Colorado, then went to Montreal. Oh, he signed with he signed with Minnesota, but only ever played with the Iowa Wild. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Played four games with Montreal and seven games with New Jersey last year. And is currently in the KHL. Yeah. Along with our short king, Tyler Ennis. <laughs> I miss Tyler Ennis. You know, I really kind of do. I miss our short king. He was great. Yeah. He's definitely one of those players where it was you don't have to be big to get it done. I'm a little surprised the team didn't take a flyer on him. Yeah, I mean, the fact is that we took took a flyer on Dezengel, and he turned out to be good in the second tenure. Yeah. So, actually, let's talk about Andrew Hammond post-Ottawa, because, again, he was involved with one of the biggest trades this team made in the last several years, the Matt Duchesne trade. It's very unfortunate that his hits really did give out on him, because you know what? He could have been a solid goaltender for Colorado. But the Avalanche were in that state of sell everybody off and rebuild. Yeah. Because you're coming off the year previous where I don't think the Avalanche or even the closest that team has ever come to falling that hard was when they were in Quebec. Is in those three years in the of 89, 90, 91 where they had three straight number one picks. But what was so weird about that Colorado team is didn't they make the playoffs that year? Because Jared Bednar went 43, 30, and nine. In 2018? In 2017, 2018, yeah. Yeah. Colorado made the playoffs that year too, because everyone thought that it was like, yeah, like the Colorado Avalanche were absolutely garbage the year before. Then the Duchesne trade happens. Then all of a sudden, it was almost like Ottawa and Colorado traded fates. Because remember, like everyone was dunking on uh, Joe Sackick for making that trade. Then all of a sudden, it looks like he, other than the fact that Shane Bowers hasn't played 
I think he's played one game in his NHL career. Like he just finally got into the NHL this season. The draft pick that grabbed Bowen Byram, just looking pretty good. Yeah, God, that was a crazy year. Do you remember when we, the very first time we had Ian Mendez on the show and we asked him where he was when the Ottawa Senators didn't give up the first overall pick to him, to Colorado? Yeah. God, I wonder how different Colorado would be right now if they were the ones that landed Jack Hughes. You know what? Hard to say. Because like Bone Byram is a phenom on the back end and that back end was really what enabled Colorado to be as insane as they were last year. Yeah, well, when you have Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram, it's like, fuck. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I also believe that uh, Andrew Hammond did get into a playoff game for the Colorado Avalanche that year. And I think he was a, he was the hero for one of those games, too. No, I'd be remiss about talking about Andrew Hammond if I didn't mention his wife, Marley. Oh, her Twitter's great. Her Twitter is amazing. Like, what was it? I remember the, one of the first tweets I ever saw of her was that I'm not saying I'm reinventing the wheel, but we're now doing tequila shots in a pool noodle. Oh, no. I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. If I, I don't know if I would drink tequila out of a pool noodle. Would you drink tequila at all? Okay, so that's a good question. Generally, I would say no. However, my aunt and uncle were in Mexico a couple of years ago. They brought back this very high-end tequila. And tequila has a real bite to it, right? It has a bite to it when it's like more of the cheaper oh, yeah. side. The soup, like the super high-end stuff is so smooth. My my uncle gave me a glass and I was just drinking it. And it was just like, wow, it went down so smooth. Yeah, I was never a tequila guy. I never was. I never was. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of those hard alcohols. I I never really got that into. Other yeah, like tequila. My cousin is the reason I don't drink tequila. I don't <laughs> drink Jägermeister. I'm surprised I don't drink vodka anymore because of him. Right, but talking about Andrew Hammond's uh, playoffs with the Colorado Avalanche, he played three games and had a .933 save percentage. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Now, what's also amazing, Tim, is that we're going to announce next week's cover athlete for Season 6, Episode 7, in chronological order, Episode 131. Now, of course, when it comes to the number 31, Tim, we had some big names on the board. All right. We had a current Ottawa Senator, a former Third Line Plug interview guest, and our personal, I would say personal friend if we got to meet him, Peter Sidorkowitz. And I'm proud to announce that the winner is Anton Forsberg. Hey, all right, let's go. All right. I'm happy with Anton. I like Anton Forsberg. Honestly, and this is the thing, and I said this on Twitter, like I don't pick favorites when it comes to our interview, not interview, our cover athletes. I'd be lying if I said I didn't pick favorites with 31. Oh, with Lori Boschman? Yeah, I was kind of say it was either going to be Tugger or Sidorkowitz. And Tugger honestly, Sidork. if it was Sidorkowitz, you just know Sidork or Stork was coming, or Stork or Sidork was coming back. How? I don't know. We struggled thing, so hard with that one. I don't know, Tim. I don't know, but Adam was requesting it. 
And now he's never going to know about what Stork or Sidork is for this for next week's episode because he didn't win the cover athlete poll. Adam should have made a bunch of sock puppet accounts and voted. He, he really should've. just didn't try hard enough. That is true, Tim. That is true. Now, moving away from talking about our cover athletes, Tim, we should talk about last week's episode. I got to say, very rare in our show's history does the title of the episode really signify that episode. Off the Rails was so <laughs> perfect for that episode because I, I was listening back to it. Yeah, it appropriate title. Didn't we spend like half of it talking about the Victoria bar scene? Yes, we got talking about the bar scene and a 72 ounce steak. Oh, the, the the big Texan, I think it's called, that 72 ounce steak with all the sides. Yeah, just like, would you like the economics of that? Like, it, it would have to be an awful steak. Yeah, there's no way that you can cook that properly, dude. No, not even like cooking it properly. Like, they probably have enough to cook it right. I'm just saying, like, 72 ounces for the price that they had it on, you don't want that. Because yeah. it was, like, a buck an ounce or something like that. Yeah, it was a, It was $73, 72 hour, I think it came up to, with everything included. Yeah, so it's, like, a buck an ounce. But also, we got to realize, like, how big were the sides? That's a big thing for me. They're probably massive. There's actually a place in Nanaimo. They kind of have something similar with a burger. It's this giant, giant burger. It's like 40-something bucks. But if you eat the entire thing, I think it's an hour. If you can eat this entire burger in an hour, you get it for free. I looked at this burger. I swear they had, like, lettuce and tomato. It looked like they used an entire head of lettuce on this burger. And you know how big a head of lettuce looks. Oh, yeah. Imagine that entire thing on a burger. Yeah, no. I don't want that. No. Side question. When it comes to burgers, do you prefer tomatoes or lettuce on it? I usually put both. Do you see? That's the thing with me. I more prefer tomatoes on it. I get why the lettuce is on there. But I don't care for lettuce on burgers. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, no, that's fair. So let's talk a little bit of our week, Tim. Now, I understand I work with a gentleman who has been playing the new Pokemon game. And I know that you are also into Pokemon. So I got to ask, have you got a chance to play it yet? No, I I kind of stopped paying attention for a bit and uh, just didn't pre-order it. It came out and uh, I've been kind of watching the release of it on Twitter and just go search Pokemon Scarlet, Violet, glitches and uh, you're gonna have some fun because it is wild yeah. like just like sprites disappearing sprites flying off into like character models just like flying off into the distance character models like changing size randomly people glitching through walls people gr glitching falling through the floor just like and then there's like massive memory leaks around the starting area as well so if you're not aware that you just have to save the game, turn it off, and turn it on again. It actually gets to the point where it's considered on. People have said it's almost unplayable. Isn't that crazy, eh? In the year of 2022, that we're still getting AAA games that are like this? 
when you look I'm... at some of like when you look at some of the developers out there like Ubisoft, like EA, you look at some of the big name companies and they're putting out games that you just look at them and they're like, this isn't finished. Like, how could you even put this out? I understand like this entire model nowadays is that yeah, put some bullshit game out there and just do a bunch of add-ons to fix it. Yeah. And Game Freak, the uh development team that is behind Pokemon has been getting really bad with that lately. Where I would actually like where what's on the game at time of release is like it's been like kind of declining and declining and declining since I want to say black and white too. So that game came out in 2012. It's okay. been on a downward slide for about 10 years where each game has been a bit worse than the last. And Black and White 2 were also the last two-dimensional games. So like part of me thinks that Game Freak just doesn't really know what they want to do with a 3D Pokemon game. I'll give Scarlet the only real exception was like Legends Arceus, which was a very well-polished game when it came out and the first kind of open world game. And oh. apparently uh Scarlet and Violet are a bit more ambitious on that open world front, but the game just doesn't work. Okay. I do have a quick question. Like, is is Pokemon the release cycle? Is it every couple of years or like what is the re- it's been got it? it's gotten very aggressive lately. Okay, so th- maybe that's why they're not putting as much time into polishing the game. That's what I'm thinking, because like typically a full generation of games lasts about three years and you get two sets of games in a generation. So for example, uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire came out in 2003. The remake and the second ga- second group of games is usually a remake. So the second game in that generation, the second game was the remakes of the original Fire, Red, Leaf, Green. Those came out in 2004. Third version, uh, Pokemon Emerald comes out in 05. And then uh, Diamond and Pearl come out early 07 so and that was a longer generation okay uh then you also have and then following that you had diamond pearl 07 uh heart gold soul silver 2010 black and white 2011 so typically every three three years okay i do want to ask about because you mentioned that the game developer behind the pokemon series you're saying that they maybe don't know what to do out of three how much do you think of it is, is just the hardware that they're working with now i would imagine these games would be ass even on like the PlayStation 5 or something. Because like the games that they made for like Game Boy, DS, 3DS were all still pretty good games. Like even Pokemon X and Y, I had my misgivings about the game, but there was a game there. There was a complete polished game there. Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. I had my misgivings, but there was a complete polished game there. Same with uh, Omega Rufy Alpha Sapphire. Alpha Sapphire. Sword and Shield, underbaked, two DLCs, And it was just boring as shit. Uh, And I think part of... And here's the thing. I can't even really say that this is just because these games are aimed at kids and not adults. And I was a kid when I played the previous games. Because, like... I was, like, 18 when Black and White came out. And I thought it was a very fun, well-built game. So, like, adult sensibilities were still being engaged in evaluating these games, Mm -hmm. right? While Sword and Shield comes out, it's linear. There's n- the dungeons are just it dungeons are just a straight fucking line, no real puzzles whatsoever, and there's absolutely no challenge to the game. Apparently, uh, Scarlet and Violet same way. While Legends Arceus is so weird, that was actually like very fun. 
lots of exploration to do that sort of stuff. So it's just like, I don't know, man. At this point, it's just like, I don't think I'm going to bother, but I might, I might buy it, play it. If it's just kind of boring, it'll be like, okay, whatever. And whenever I have kids, I'll just give them the old games and they'll probably have more fun with that than uh, whatever new thing that Nintendo's asking 80 bucks for. Yeah, and it's generally with Nintendo, those games never go down in price. Never. No, which kind of sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, outside of the Pokemon, I mean, how has your week been going, my man? Because you and I really didn't talk at all this week. Mostly just getting wedding stuff together, you know. Yeah, which I got fun stuff. I did get your wedding invitation. I really appreciate that you guys hand-ripped the note out. Yeah. I love that. So I know our listeners can't see their the card, but... I love that you said that you can't wait to Brady and Mark at the wedding. Chelsea <laughs> wrote underneath, I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, good stuff, good stuff. It's good stuff, man. It is good stuff. So I'll talk a little bit about my week. Now I do have a bit of a say bit. I have a quick announcement to make here on the program. So I'm here to announce that for the first episode of 2023. I will not be on the podcast. Whoa. I know. Yeah, I'm going to be handing the reins over to Tim for that week. Now, I'm going to explain the reason why. Because you know, this past summer, I went on a trip to the United Kingdom for a wedding, and I got to see some family and stuff. So the first week of January, I'm going on a road trip into the United States of America. Nice. Yes. So I'll I'll talk a little quickly talk about the road trip because today finally everything got finalized everything's booked i just gotta pay for it now that's all but that's all that's that's (laughs) fine that's fine so i'll talk about the road trip so as you know i probably mentioned this on the podcast so i'll be going down to seattle for january 4th because all elite wrestling is doing their first show in the pacific northwest i bought tickets the day it came out i'm ready to go so talking to Katrina about this and I was like you know I have that week off now so I'll be like oh that's so cool because I don't work the second because New Year's Day falls on Sunday so I got the second off and they just said look you know I don't bother coming to work for one day and then you have a weekend just take that time off I was like, okay cool so I decided and I talked to Katrina and I wasn't much convincing I talked to her into doing a road trip so instead of heading down to Seattle on January 3rd we're heading down New Year's Day, 2023, and I'll talk a little bit about what I'm what we're going to be doing. So New Year's Day, we're going to be heading down to Seattle, and we are going to be watching the New York Islanders Seattle Kraken game that day. That's going to be really fun. And then the next day, we're actually driving further south to Portland, Oregon, because we got tickets to watch the Portland Trailblazers play. Neat. Because again, you talked about this both seeing the Raptors in Toronto. Portland's the closest NBA team that we have. Yeah, it is kind of wild, eh? It is. Un- until Seattle gets the Supersonics back. But that's not the point. <laughs> no. But yeah, and again, I was saying to Katrina, I was like, you know, I've never been to an NBA game. And I've never been to Portland. So I'm like, eh, it's three hours. Let's let's just drive down. Drive down, get a hotel room. We'll come back. I was looking into tickets for this game. Uh-huh. Would you like to know what the cheapest ticket they had? 150 bucks. Way lower. 30. Lower. Five. Higher. Seven. Higher. 10. Lower. Eight. 
Higher. Eight fifty. Nine fifty a ticket. <laughs> what? Nine fifty American. Holy shit. Yeah, and I said to Katrina, and but the nice thing about the American Ticketmaster, this is what the Canadian one should really take lessons from, is that when you buy a ticket off Ticketmaster for a game in the States, they show you where you're sitting. It's not just they they have a like a map of the bowl and you're like, oh that that's where you're sitting right there. They have a picture and they have your view. Oh neat. So I got a couple tickets for like 60 bucks a pop Canadian. And yeah, we're in the, I think it's like three, three bowls, I think, or um, three tiers in the arena. Right. We're kind of in like the, the fuck would we be? The middle tier, I guess. Because we're looking okay. down at center court. So that's going to be fun. I've never been to an NBA game. So this is actually going to be really fun. Yeah. I know I went to, yeah, I went to a game in Toronto and uh, I was in the nosebleeds and I paid 85 a ticket. But yeah, no, if you're lower down, NBA is a lot of fun. Yeah, I've heard so many great things. And honestly, this would be the first time that I finally can cross all four of the big major sports leagues in North America. Been to all four now. Went to baseball this this, this summer, been to the NHL, been to the NFL. Now I'm going to basketball. So, right. Yeah. So outside of that, Tim, I'll talk a little bit about what I've been up to this week. So this past weekend, instead of watching 90% of the Devil's Sands game, <laughs> I went out and was being productive. Nice. So I had to go get the oil changed in my car because, you know, it was time. I had to get that changed. So I also had to get the transmission flushed. Normally an oil change is like a hundred something bucks. It's is what it is, right? You need to get it done. This cost me $470. What? The transmission flush was 300 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's the thing that you need to get that done. I think it's every... I think it depends on the model of your vehicle, but I think it's every 10 to 12,000, I think. Right. I'm not mistaken. So, and it's never been done in that car. Oh. That's a six-year-old car. It's never been done once. I've owned That's it for two good. years. I've never done it. The guy previous never did it. So I got it done. It's whatever. And then the next day, Katrina and I were down in Souk. By the way, that place should not exist. That's way too far out. You'd be better <laughs> off going. You'd be, you're close enough to the fucking states at that point. You, If you drive around certain points of Souk, your phone gets a welcome to the United States. Yep. Oh, it's ridiculous. But anyway. I mean, it's a nice part of the island. Yeah. Whatever. it's whatever anyway so katrina myself her mom and her aunt went to a couple of christmas craft fairs hmm. now i've my family doesn't really do stuff like this so for me it's like okay cool i kind of asked well did your family ever do stuff like that go to the not kind of sometimes yeah i don't know why i think i always get this since your mom would probably be into that kind of stuff though yeah we do it every so often. Yeah. So, yeah, I got Katrina some really nice earrings. They were blue. Yeah. Got her nice. some nice earrings. My aunt's really big into Betty boobs. I got her a necklace. And, yeah, we had a nice day. We went to two of the craft breweries in Souk. I bought some beer. Yep. Was it a good brewery? Does, does that bad. absolve Souk's existence? You know what? I don't know if I would go that far because if I'm buying a beer from Victoria, 
I'm probably gonna buy a like a Phillips spear, if I'm being honest. Fair. Not so much blue buck. Like I don't really care for blue buck all that much, but I do like their hazy IPA. Uh, the glitter bomb. That's what's called the glitter bomb beer. There's glitter bomb. There's a few other beers they do. So I really enjoy it. But the big thing I got to do this weekend, Tim, I got to watch all elite wrestling full gear. The new, the latest pay-per-view from AEW. Now I'm not going to go through the entire card and talk about each match, but I, I do want to highlight a few of these because you know what? I think after all elites all out pay-per-view in September, this one was, it was a bit of a letdown. It wasn't as good as all out, but I think with full gear that AEW fans aren't really expecting to be like the best pay-per-view because honestly, I, to me, if you go and talk about tiers, you have like your double or nothings, you're all out and your full, full gear. Full gear is like the third pay-per-view there. Right. These two pay-per-views are like, especially double or nothing. I still have not seen a bad double or nothing pay-per-view yet. Okay. But I still have to give it a seven out of 10 because yes, it was a bit of a letdown from all from all out in September. A couple of the matches I wanted. Now the opening match, Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus. And I really enjoyed these. I've really enjoyed the story between the two. They used to be, a, they were a really great tag team. They got broken up and it was kind of a, okay, are they going to get back together? Are they going to feud? This, that, next thing. Really enjoy. Great way to kick off the pay-per-view. Jungle Boy got the fucking shit kicked out of him. It was just unbelievable. And it's funny because if you look at a picture of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, the the size difference is so jarring. <laughs> You're thinking like, oh yeah, Jungle Boy is going to get his ass handed to him. And it was simply, Luchasaurus grabbed him and just like tossed him into the cage. Oh, geez. Like all four sides. He threw him headfirst into it. Caught him open. Jungle Boy ended up winning. I do want to make one, uh, sorry, two comments about this match. Uh-huh. Number one, one of the reasons I love wrestling, Tim, is of how ridiculous it can be sometimes. Because with these two, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, who would have thought a wrestling tag team of one of the contestants from Big Brother and Luke Perry's son? What? Yes. Now, I want to highlight that point of Luke Perry's son. Jungle Boy is Jungle Boy Jack Perry. That's Luke Perry's son. What? Yes. So, and I was at work thinking about this, and you know, the only thing I can I thought of was, oh my god, Jungle Boy is Krusty the Clown's nephew. <laughs> and I had this whole, and it's funny. I don't know why I got bored up doing my at work, and I just had this whole Simpsons episode idea where Jungle Boy and Krusty the Clown like reconciled after the fact that Krusty never kept in touch with Luke Perry, even though he's his half brother. Amazing. Oh my god, I was just thinking about that. And the obscure Simpsons characters on Facebook, that thread, I posted that picture on the thread. It was obscure nephews of Krusty the Clown. Oh, and people no. were like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, good lord. So a couple of more of the matches I want to talk about. No, the six-man tag, Death Triangle versus the Elite. This was fantastic. Probably my favorite of the night. The thing that really got me for this is the Elite. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. To me, at All Out, I think they put on one of the best matches of the night. And it's funny because 
these guys were suspended after that last pay-per-view because if depends on who you ask, either CM Punk threw a punch at them or they threw a punch at him, they all got suspended. And they're like the, some of the higher-ups in the company. So you got to realize how fucked up that shit must be when your higher-ups are getting you know, are getting suspended. I do think, though, that they kind of ruined it in the go-home dynamite where they just formally announced that the Elite was coming back. Oh, that would have been a very cool reveal at the pay-per-view where you have Death Triangle versus a mystery team because they came out to carry on Wayward Son by Kansas. Didn't think it was going to work, but it did. Nice. I liked it. Now, Soraya versus Britt Baker. This was just... On it again, when I'm talking about this card, as somebody who's a wrestling fan, I look at this and I'm just like, you know, this had so much potential to be so good because you look at the matches, like that looks good, that's probably gonna be great, that's gonna be really good. And there was just probably three to four or five matches on this whole card that I just I walked away thinking it was all right. This one was disappointing because honestly. Soraya, who's formerly Paige in WWE, comes back after five years and beats Britt Baker. And Baker's like the women champion. She's like, well, she's not, I don't think she's the women champion right now, but she was like one of the bigger female wrestlers in the company. Yes. Just very disappointing. And Katrina's watching it with me and she's just like, yeah, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. But the other, there was three female matches. I think the Jamie Hader Tony Storm that was way better than that match. It had blew them out of the water in the final match. Oh, this made me happy. MJF versus John Mox John Moxley. MJF won it. He's the new champion. This is a guy you've got to realize as somebody who likes wrestling. MJF for several months was the hottest commodity in wrestling. Because he fully snapped. Right. On live TV. And he basically told Tony Tony Kong, the guy who runs the company, fire him. He went off. And he was off TV. He was n- not mentioned, anything like that for months. Oh, wow. Until he came back at All Out. It, it really? Was of, yes. It was one of those things because like you, his social media... It didn't go dark, but he didn't tweet, didn't message, didn't do anything. And then all out, there was no announcement. There was just, yeah, I think it was the Joker. I think that was like stupid thing. That's how they're going to reveal him. Katrina called that right from the beginning. She saw that this guy winning the match and his the the poker chip. He she just looks at it and goes, "Oh, that's MJF." That was the first match in, and she just goes, "Yeah, that's M- that's MJF." So it was like the big reveal that MJF was the Joker. And I think they had a big plan with him and CM Punk after that pay-per-view because CM Punk won the title. But then directly after, he completely burns that bridge in AEW. Oh, just like just going off, right? Goes off in the post, like, yeah, the post-event press conference. He gets into an altercation with guys backstage. In one year, this CM Punk went from a guy that people were thinking, holy shit, he's actually coming back. He's back in wrestling. And then the fans at full gear are chanting, fuck CM Punk, fuck CM Punk. It's just like, wow. 
that is a, that is a hell of a turn. It is a, such a great turn. And again, tying it back with last week's episode, because I mentioned that Orange Cassidy was at the Devil Sends game. Yeah. But yeah, it was, you know, like I said, it was a bit of a letdown given how good all, all out was. But yeah, I'm very excited to see what MJF does as world champion because he's one of these guys that you watch him do kind of promo. You know, when, when you watch somebody in wrestling cut a promo or say something, you can tell that's just a character. Yeah. That's just somebody they're portraying. With MJF, you watch him cut a promo and you sit there and you think, I don't know whether he's a character or that's just him. Because mm-hmm. if you watch him in any interviews that he does outside of the company, that's the way he is. Yeah. So he really buys into the character. I think. I have to say, not since CM Punk, I don't think we've seen a guy who cuts a promo this good that's that believable, and you're just like, wow. Yeah, and honestly, I hope he's at AEW Dynamite in Seattle, because, oh, oh my god, I will pop so hard if he comes there. Well, Tim, as much as I can sit here and talk about all elite wrestling, and believe me, you know me, I can sit here and talk about wrestling all day long, but it really delay the inevitable that we need to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Christ, and you thought last week's episode went off the rails. <laughs> oh, I take a quick drink of water there. I do have to say, though, MJF's post-match press conference last night, or not last night, was on Saturday night. God, that was funny. It was two minutes long. <laughs> he just comes out and he's just like, Listen here. This is why this is the this is why this is the company. I'm the shit. And he just goes off. It was great. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Tim, moving our attention to top of the hour. We've got death to talk about. After six years, I'm I still hate talking about death, as you know. Mm-hmm. Now, this one involves former NHLer Yarmar Yager. As his father, Yarmar Yager Sr., passed away on November 16th at the age of 82. Yeah, it's a life well lived. And I was actually surprised to find out that Yarmir Yager's father was actually a uh, hockey player in his time as well. In Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I think with the same with... Uh, who was it? Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa's dad also played. He was a stay-at-home defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, but it's just one of those things you don't think of. Like, you think of Yager, not Yager Sr., right? That's true. Although, I, I remember there was a documentary on the Penguins, and they talked about Yarmar Yager the first time he ever came to America. And you just see a guy who is just so awestruck of everything that he was seeing for the first time. Because of the fact that the Czech Republic was under communist rule at the time that he came over, because the Iron Curtain was still up. Yep. Well, it was like the same shit with like, if like Khrushchev is like being absolutely amazed by a fucking supermarket. Can you imagine like what Yager and a lot of these guys who came over to play hockey for the first time were seeing and just losing their shit over? Oh, yeah. Like he would go to the mall and... One of the guys with the penguins says all he wanted was blue jeans and blue jean jackets. <laughs> Again, you couldn't get that in America or in uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm going to move away talking about Yarmir Yager Sr. and talk about some current NHLers. Now I've got a couple of shout-outs we've got to give to. Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby passed up Brian Trache for 17th on the all-time points list with 1,426. Crosby, at the time of the story, is now 32 points behind Timo Solani for 16th all-time. Now I do have to add that he also moved past Brian Trache and Marion Holster for 35th all-time and for goals with 500. And 26. Yeah, we might as well go to the next story because it's another player passing Brian Trottier. That's right. Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin passed Brian Trottier for 18th on the all-time points list with 1,427. Ovechkin, drafted first overall by the Washington Capitals in 2004, needed four points to pass Sidney Crosby for 17th all-time at the time of the story. Yeah, and uh, we're going to keep having these stories until uh, one or both these players retires. It's true. Like, honestly, these two guys are just going to dominate top of the hour from here on then because you they near the end of their careers. And again, we talked about this in the last several weeks. It's just like you're almost amazed at the fact that these two guys play the NHL at the same time. They have the exact same points. And we have witnessed this entire career. Oh, yeah. Like these two players are frankly some of the most amazing players we've ever seen in the NHL. And the fact that, yeah, Crosby's unbreakable record might be sorry, Crosby. Gretzky's unbreakables might be broken. Insanity. Yeah. I can only imagine now what people 15 years ago were thinking when guys like Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackick and these all guys were retiring and they're thinking, wow, like I'm getting old. And now it's like, we're watching Crosby, we're watching Ovechkin, we're watching Taves, and we're watching all these guys, and Jonathan Quick, we're watching these guys who've just dominated the NHL for the last 15 years, and now they're all reaching the end of their careers. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but what's also wild, Tim, did you know there has only been one player in the NHL who has played 1,000 consecutive games? Yeah, and it's... uh... (laughs) Would you believe me if this person was Phil Castle? That's that's incredible. Vegas Golden Knights forward Phil Castle became the first player in NHL history to play in 1,000 consecutive games. Castle, drafted fifth overall by Boston in 2006, had recorded three goals, four assists for seven points, and 18 games for Vegas at the time of the story. God, that's just, that's amazing, eh? Of all people, and I was saying this to somebody the other day, and I was like, you know, it's amazing, eh? Actually, I was talking to a guy at work about this today, in fact. We were talking about guys like Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. These guys have, like, personal trainers and personal nutritionists. You know, the big, big money guys in the NHL, and they're, like, dominating their sports. And here's fucking... Bill Castle, he just comes out of nowhere and just like, hey guys, I'm just gonna play a thousand games, you know, with me and my hot dogs. Yeah, no, like it's it's incredible. Like the guy who uh everyone just called a fat ass to start his career is yeah. the Iron Man. I mean, still, I love that story that was told about Kessel when he was rooming with Versteeg and he opened Versteeg opens the window and goes, Ah, Steger, turn off the lights. <laughs> Incredible. 
Yeah. Shout out to Adam because Adam personally, I know he requested me to do the Phil Kessel voice. So, yep. So there you go, Adam. Let's move on to our next story, Tim. The Swedish Ice Hockey Association has named Nicholas Lidstrom the greatest Swedish player of all time at their centennial gala. Lidstrom, drafted 53rd overall by Detroit in 1989, spent his entire NHL career with the Red Wings, recording 264 goals, 878 assists for 1,148 points in 1,564 games, while winning four Stanley Cups in 97, 98, 2002, and 2008, as well as winning the Consmith Trophy in 2002, becoming the first European to do it, and winning seven Norris trophies in his career. You know, it's very funny that this happened after the Sadids and Alfredson were inducted into the hall. Well, you know what's really funny is that when I was reading this story, they actually had the all-century team for Sweden. Okay, now I'm going to read you the starting lineup, okay? In goal, you have Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, it's pretty good. Yeah. Nicholas Lidstrom and Boring Solming are on defense. Uh-huh. Okay. Peter Forsberg, Matt Sundin, and Hawken Lube are on the forwards. Yep. Would you believe me that only one player on that list has scored 50 goals in the NHL? And also, would you believe me if I was to tell you it's probably not the guy you're thinking of? Yeah. The only guy on that list was Hawken Lube in 88-89, the year Calgary won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> he scored 50 goals in the NHL. He's still the only Swedish player to do it. <laughs> and you know what he did the next season? Not he that. He, <laughs> he went back to Sweden. <laughs> it's like, yep, got what I wanted. What a fucking what legend. He just like, yeah, I scored 50 goals in the NHL and he just dips. <laughs> that's incredible oh my god it really is tim it but really also is. squad goals exactly man squad goals that's all you gotta do now it's also incredible though is the nhl has announced that they are making players who entered the nhl during the 1920 season or later to wear helmets during warm-ups players who entered the league before then will be grandfathered in and will not be required to wear them you know the only thing i thought of was when i read this story Remember Connor Brown last season when he broke his jaw in the pregame and he didn't even realize it? He said in the pre after the game, he goes, Yeah, he says, Yeah, I had a broken jaw. I mean, in fairness, I thought it felt a little sore. I remember like Chelsea and what, I were at that happened? game. I, do you remember? I think he hit the crossbar and yeah. came back and ricocheted him, hit him in the face. Yeah. I was just like, How is this man still skating? Like, there's like, I could, you could even kind of see it was broken. So it's actually funny when talking about this because I went out and played stick and puck last year. It was before Katrina and I started dating. I actually got hit in the nose. I don't know if you can see that. I have a little scar right there. Oh no. I got and it's funny because I'm I have a, a helmet with a visor. The visor came up to here. That's where it nailed me. And I never have the visor down. I have it up, you know, because yeah. of the look. That's the only thing that saved me from that breaking my nose. Fair. And it just went like, goof. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I'll have to find that picture. I still have the photo on my phone of the big scar I had on my nose after I got hit with the puck. Yeah. Now, we're talking about this story. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it, to be honest. 
Now, would you believe me, Tim, if I was to tell you that the next couple of stories involve Pierre-Luc Dubois and somebody getting fined? Ooh. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have any stories that involve sense, but we do have two fines to talk about. Calgary Flames forward Blake Coleman was fined. Actually, you know what? I do have one thing I want to say about the last story. What's that? What's the point if you're going to grandfather people? Just like make like, yeah, I'm surprised they weren't. They were allowed to warm up without a helmet on beforehand. Well, you know what? I think before the 79-80 season, this is that was the year that helmets were mandatory. That's yeah. the, the NHL made it mandatory for helmets to be played. Players who signed a contract before that, I think like October of 79, were grandfathered in. They didn't have to wear a helmet. That's where you didn't see like, not Ron Wilson, um, Doug Wilson. You said Doug Wilson not wear a bucket. Craig McTavish didn't wear a bucket. I guess, but it's like, if you're implementing a safety rule, you'd probably want them to have it enforced on everyone. It It's just bizarre to me. Yeah, it really is, Tim. Calgary Flames forward Blake Coleman was fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for slew footing. Winnipeg Jets forward Pierre-Luc Dupois. I hate slew foots, man. I, I hate it, too. I didn't see the play, but no, that seems fair. Now, we're going to move on to our next find. Seattle Kraken defenseman Carson Soshi was fined $2,500 for roughing Winnipeg Jets forward Pierre-Luc Dupois. I didn't see the hit. I didn't see the hit either. I that's the problem with some of these stories. I mean, if if we don't see it, we can't really comment on it, right? Yeah, I guess we should watch everything that we include. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on, we've been like six seasons into this. Do you think we would have done it by now? Honestly, true. No, we wouldn't have. Now, of course. What we've been doing the last six seasons, Tim, is closing up top of the air by talking about the Ottawa Senators. Now, isn't that funny? The last episode in the last couple of weeks, we were ragging on the Ottawa Senators and the Ring of Honor. We mentioned that, you know, we did a whole episode on it. I didn't go back and re-listen to it to see what we included. That's on me, but that's okay. So we have our first induction into the Ring of Honor, Tim. Yeah. Oh, wow. The Ottawa Senators have announced that they will induct Wade Redden into the team's Ring of Honor during the team's game on December 12th versus the Anaheim Ducks. Redden, drafted second overall by the New York Islanders in 1995, spent 11 seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording 101 goals, 309 assists for 410 points in 838 games, while being named to two All-Star games in 2004 and 2000, sorry, 2002 and 2004, the latter of which he didn't play due to it illness so let's talk about wade redden because reds is one of those guys that (laughs) prior to eric carlson this is the guy that everybody thought of when you thought of that star offensive defenseman for the ottawa senators yeah just like when wade redden was on it was just this very dynamic very skilled defenseman who played very hard on both sides of the ice and he was a blessing to the ottawa senators let's be real but let's also talk about late career wade wade redden and the changes that he enforced on the cba 
because uh, he's the reason why you can't just throw a contract in the minor league and have all of it not count anymore. So you're saying that's why the Nikita Zaitsev cop hit still hits on us? Yeah. We're talking about, I mean, Redden is one of those guys that you talk about such a stabilizing force on the back end. Him and Daniel Chara. I think it was just those two guys in Ottawa for a number of years that the fans still look back fondly of. It's great to see that Redden is back with the organization. And I, it's great to see post-Eugene Melnick that you're seeing a lot of the old-timers like Daniel Robertson, like Wade Redden, like Chris Neal are coming back into the team's good graces and are coming back into being honored like this. And we've been saying forever, the ring of honor should be honoring our players. Like if you would think with all the ceremonies and all those things that we've been doing the last couple of years, surprisingly, we're not utilizing it as much, but here we are. And I think, yeah, Wade Redden is a great guy to bring in. Like if one of the things that, they seem to be going with the players that they're retiring. They either have like a, a massive, massive impact with the franchise or they retire with the franchise. Then yeah, I'd, su- I'd suggest like Wade Redden probably doesn't make it into like, doesn't get retired. No, no. Well, but- like Philly and Neil probably they, like that seems to be the criteria being used. Like Alfie Philly, Neil being your first retired numbers. You know what? Okay. Fair. But uh, no, but Eric, Wade Redden Eric in the wing of Byron is fantastic. Number. There's no two ways about that though. 60, 65 retired. Yeah, I could see that. I would say 65 is retired because honestly, for a lot of years, I mean, when you think of the Ottawa Senators, who do you really think of? Eric Carlson, yeah. Yeah, you think of Eric, right? I think Eric would be the legit, but you'll always have the argument of what about Jason Spezza? That's very much splitting the fan base of, okay, do you put Spets in the ring of honor or do you retire? I think he put Spets in the ring of honor. Yeah, because there's a number of players that you can put in the ring of honor. You could put Patrick Leem in there. You could put Ray Emery in there. You can put Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson. Here's a good one. He just had his number retired by Chicago. What about Marion Hosa? Yeah, Marion Hosa. Zidane Char. Yeah. Patrick Leem. I think we already mentioned him, but damn it. But even like, I think you could probably put like Jacques Lamier in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, Jacques Martin for sure. Jacques Martin. Uh, I I don't know if you put Rick Bonus in there. No. I was gonna say the big one you you could probably you could definitely try and put him in there. Is Bruce Firestone? Bruce Fires yeah Bruce Firestone should be in there. Oh, or like him and or Cyril Leader. Yeah, I think. And not just because Cyril Leader's listened to our show before. That's true. Yeah, oh, actually, you know who also has listened to our show is uh, Steve Warren. That's true. Yeah, I remember when I told you that that I found that on the SoundCloud Insights. I'm like, hey Tim, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just so many players that you can put in there. Another guy is Alexei Ashen. That's another guy that fans have argued because he was the team's first superstar. That's true, but, but also you also made the argument divorce. in that episode. About you feel that he didn't really was deserving of it. I think you would need to come back and you need to spend a bit more time with the team just because of how that divorce happened. Yeah. But it's the same way with Danny Heatley, right? And fans would love it if Heatley came back into the teams. I think because enough time has passed. Yeah. You're able, it's like Yashin, you're able to look back on what he did, not how it ended. Exactly. Yeah, because, look, if you're going to base 
it based it solely on how it ended, think of how many players would not be in the Ring of Honor right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Ray Emery would not be in there. Yashin would well, not. Well, I mean, they're not there yet. I know, but I'm saying, right? Danny Heatley. Yeah. Those names would never be remotely touched. Yeah. So. But no. Good on the Ottawa Senators to finally induct Wade Redden. And yeah, my, it, it's going to be great. Uh, hopefully we're going to see more of the inductions near the Ring of Honor, and we'll definitely be talking about it when those happen. So I guess this wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now we got three games to talk about. We've got the Islanders versus the Senators, Sabres versus the Sens, and unfortunately, the Devils versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Islanders versus the Senators. This is a 4-2 Islanders victory. Islanders goes scored by Oliver Wallstrom, Noah Dobson, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Brock Nelson. Suns goals were scored by Drake Batherson and Claude Giroux. Shots were 38-35 for the Senators. Oliver Wallstrom opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Islanders. Drake Batherson gets Ottawa on the board to tie the game at 1. Noah Dobson scores from the point to make it 2-1 Islanders. JGP scores in the scores from the slot to make it 3-1. Claude Giroux scores to make it 3-2 Islanders. And Brock Nelson scores in the empty netter to make it a 4-2 Islanders victory. So I had the condensed version of this game. We talked about this in last week's episode. Again, this game started at 2.30 Pacific time. Yeah. I was at work. And I, of course, I was rec- editing last week's episode and all that good stuff. I really do got to acknowledge the Sens players when Alfie was doing his speech because the entire team came out and sat on the bench as he was talking. No, that was it was a wonderful thing to see. This is a really weird game where the Sens top line just came out and dominated. And then you got some nice looks out of the Joseph Broussard Mott line. And the Pinto Batherson line were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But overall, this is a game Ottawa really should have won. They took it hard to the Islanders while Valramov just stole a game. Yeah, and this is really one of those really a one goal game. Oh, for sure. And there were a bunch of instances and Brady Kachuk got just absolutely robbed on a number of opportunities. Be it like a near miss or just absolutely stoned right in front of Valramov. Like, yeah, Ottawa just massively outplayed the Islanders. And I'm not sure if Talbot, and I think Talbot played well enough to give them a chance in this game. Yeah, and Cam Talbot had 32 saves, a .912 save percentage. Again, I, I'm always playing the devil's advocate with goal, with the goalies, and I can't really fault him on those goals, if no, I'm being honest. The big problem was just Ottawa took another parade to the penalty box, and that Pajot goal ended up being the one that mattered. Yeah, and definitely, and I have some criticisms, but we'll get when we talk to the devil's game, we'll talk about that. So let's talk about Drake Batherson. That one goal on three shots. I mean, damn, that was a good shot. Whew. Beautiful. Well, it that that shot had eyes. It really did. 
I mean, same with the Claude Giroux goal, who had a goal and assist on two points on two shots. Yeah, and like we've said this every week, but Claude Giroux has just been fantastic for the Ottawa Senators in early going. And that top line of Stutzla, Kachuk, and Giroux has been fantastic. Okay, so did I ever mention on the show, or did I ever mention to you about one of the guys I work with, one of my supervisors? Nope. Okay, so one of my supervisors, Ben, he's a English gentleman. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Ginger guy. Mm. First time I ever saw him, I looked at him and I sort of giggled. And somebody asked me why I was giggling, and my first thought was like, ah, he, he looks like Claude Giroux. <laughs> he, has, he has the beard and everything. It's hilarious. And I showed Ben the picture, and he looks at it and goes, I, I kind of see it. He Apparently, he also gets Andy Dalton. Huh. The former quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't see, I don't see Dalton. I definitely see Claude Giroux. That's kind of funny, though, that he he gets multiple athletes. Right? So good. I mean, the only one I ever got was Fat Sam Smith. <laughs> yeah, my work wife, Lisa, mentioned that one of the first times I ever hung out with her, she looks at me, she goes, you know, Tay, you kind of look like a Fat Sam Smith. And I looked at her, I'm like, thank, thank you? One, because I, I didn't know who Sam Smith was. And I saw a picture of him. And I'm like, oh, come on. I do not look like that guy. <laughs> That's so sad, though. Oh, my God. I know. I know. So do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the Sabres game? Uh, one thing that was a little annoying was just watching Hamnick just get absolutely turnstiled on two goals there. Just not good hockey. It's not. It's not. Okay, so by the way, I don't know if you can see that. It's the guy on... I, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. Same, I don't see it, all right? Anyways, let's move our attention to the second game of the evening. Sabres versus Senators. This is a 4-1 to one Senators victory. The lone Sabres goal was scored by Tage Thompson. Sens goal was scored by Austin Watson, Brady Dechuk, Alex Debrinkit, and Tim Stop for 40-30 for Ottawa. By the way, I did I do have to mention I had to move my mic back for this because the last couple of times I said this to do Stutzla did not come through at all. Right. And it just started clipping. No. Oh. It nothing came out. It just there was no <laughs> sound. There was nothing. It was insane. Anyway. Ottawa outplayed Buffalo in this game. Both teams started off trading scoring chances. Ottawa were sloppy with turnovers and getting into penalty trouble. However, Ottawa would overcome that as they would secure the W. I mean, let's talk about the best player in this game for Ottawa. Jake Sanderson with two assists and four shots. I mean, I am... I've mentioned this in the past, but oh God, I'm so impressed with how poised this kid looks. I really am. Yeah, and it's... He's filling in big shoes, given that he has suddenly been thrust into uh, top 10, sorry, uh, top pairing minutes. I know. And it's funny because that was a role that people thought Eric Brandstrom was going to be slotted in when we got him. And it just never happened. And here you got Jake Sanderson, who just comes right out of college into the pros and looks fantastic. Although, to be fair to Brandstrom in this game, he is playing, he played 23 minutes. 
Yeah, no, I'm not mentioning. I'm not yeah, so this game, but I'm talking about overall. Oh yeah, overall. But Branstrom did actually end up playing. Like he did end up playing top line minutes that game. So it's like seeing both both these guys kind of slotted into that high that high pairing spot out of necessity. But also seeing them actually do pretty well is it's good to see. Because like Eric Branstrom looked pretty good in that game, all things considered. Mm-hmm. No, he really did. And I mean, a lot of the Suns players really did look good, but I do want to highlight Anton Forsberg, who had 29 saves, a 0.967 save percentage. He looked really solid. The one big comment I got to mention here, very early in that game when Jeff Skinner did a little spinorama and the backhand he hit the crossbar, I wonder how deflating that would have been if he had scored on that. Because you know what it reminded me of? If he had scored on that? Yeah. Game four, 2007, Derek Roy scored. Remember that little shit chip when it, he just kind of chipped it in? I was so dumb. I was in the other room, and I sat there and I watched, and my jaw hit the ground. I was just like, what? That's all right. We won the next game, went to the final, so it was all good. Yeah. Brady Kachuk had himself a game, too. Yes, he did. I love the fact that he's just mucking it up in front, as always. But the difference is Brady Kachuk's converting it into points this year, while in previous years he'd just be, like, insanely snake-bitten somehow. But yeah, he's actually starting to get some goals from his uh, continued mucking up, and he's being recognized as one, if, one of, if not the best power forwards in the game right now. I know, it's so good, right? It's so good. I remember the Austin Watson play in this one where, what was it? He got the shot off, it got stopped, it came right back to him, and he scored. Yeah. <laughs> Did we get a shirtless interview for that? No, no, we didn't. Alex DeBrinkett also looked really good in this game. I can't remember. How did he score on that again? I didn't see it. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good that we uh, got a sense win to talk about this week because, oh boy. Let's talk about the last game of the evening, Tim. Devils versus Sens, 5-1 Devils. Devils scored, now here's the thing, the Devils goals were scored by Eric Halla, Nathan Bastian, Jasper Bonquist, Igor Chirakovic, okay, that's a made-up name, Michael McLeod, and the Lone Sens goal was scored by Derek Broussard. Shots for 36, 26 for New Jersey. Oh, fuck me. Okay. We got to talk about this. The Ottawa Senators are now 17 games into this season. Yep. The last four or five seasons of this team, we've been very patient. Which we have. Because there has been no expectations on this team. The expectations is rebuild and hopefully we make the playoffs eventually. Now, you and I have talked about this in the past, Tim. We both acknowledged playoffs was a pipe dream. It would have been very nice to see him make the playoffs, but we're in a very tough division and all that shit. 17 games in. This is the one game the Ottawa Senators got completely outplayed. To be fair, let's let's look at teams. No, no. No, 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 no. Let's look at teams. No, no. Let's look at teams that all New Jersey recently dummied. The Edmonton Oilers, 5-2 tonight. The Toronto Maple Leafs, who 
just happened to luck out to get to overtime. Calgary, twice. Colorado, Washington, the Islanders. These are all very good teams that just got absolutely dummied by New Jersey. This is, and I cannot stress this enough, one of the best teams the NHL has seen in the last decade. They are surgical and they are ruthless. Yes, I am not going to lie. This is a very good hockey team. But the Ottawa Senators have played a lot of really good teams this season. And not once did we get completely dominated like this. And I think the Sens fans have gotten to the point where frustrations are boiling over. Because when was the last time the Ottawa Senators got booed off the ice? Right, sure. But the point I'm getting at is this isn't the game. Like, yeah, sure. A lot of teams are getting dummied by New Jersey right now. It it doesn't make sense, especially given how close the Ottawa Senators have been in a lot of games. Yes, but the thing is, is like, all- what are they going to do? Well, here's the thing. All like, the- no, Tay, tell me, what would you have the Ottawa Senators do? And would what you do be a certain upgrade? That's the thing. I don't have the answers to this, but the my so big, then like what are you gonna like what know. good does it do to get mad about it? Well, here's the thing: is that at least when with these other games that we've played, you can at least see the Ottawa Senators showed up. They did not show up in this game. I watched the first period and I just went, "No, I'm not watching this. I'm sorry," but you know, and I'm not one that gets super emotional whether on Twitter, the podcast is probably the only closest thing I come to it. But usually we're pretty level-headed and cool about it. Mm -hmm. But I think the fans, you have to go back almost 30 years to this point of, well, I wouldn't say, yeah, about 25 years. 25 years to the point of fans have been patient. Fans have waited. Fans are wanting this team to do well it's not coming to fruition. And I understand a lot of the issues is that we have injuries. You have players who are snake bitten. Our defense is not good enough. But and also just unlucky timing of goals. But the big thing for me is the big thing I have with DJ Smith is when you have a team that's this talented and they are talented up front. And I said this to my girlfriend when we were talking about this the other day. I says, okay, if you're the Ottawa Senators and you have Stutzla, Debrinkat, Dechuk, Batherson, well, Josh Norris is injured, you have this talent up front. What's the plan game plan you would have? Would you have these guys carry the puck into the offensive zone and try and score? Or do you do what the Ottawa Senators have been doing the last five years because we don't have the talent up front, dump the puck in and go after it? Well, the other problem is, is I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see the the forwards try and carry it, but they don't have like outside of Shabbat and Sand, 
Sanderson and Brandstrom, they don't really have the quality of defense to permit that style of play. Like it takes full team de- defense to allow organized breakouts and organized carry-ins. Like it's the the weakness on team defense here again. But the problem is, is like the Ottawa Senators, they aren't even getting badly outscored. Like in the East, all the teams ahead of them have goal like goal differentials in the negative double digits and Ottawa's fluctuating around zero right now they're at negative three like that's not a bad team it's a team that if it if we're playing on like just regular luck instead of just weird backbreakers going in all the time this would be a team that is closer to the wild card spot yeah and uh, you know what i do acknowledge that but I also acknowledge that the fans are just getting to the point where it's like, what is really wrong here? I think, it, you know, of course, it's the it's the mob mentality of Twitter, which, by the way, maybe Elon Musk really could. Maybe he should have just ended it. With some Honestly, of the yeah. That, with some of the tweets I was seeing, it was just like, oh, for Christ's sakes, you guys are so <laughs> toxic. Like, all just Sunday, the team. I did not opened my Twitter once. I had a lovely day on Sunday. I went out and did stuff. Which also, by the way, I forgot to mention, we're also on Instagram, too. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah, let's just my... delete Twitter. Fuck that hellhole. No, because, like, <laughs> we got all those people we've built that community around. Now, that's if it ended, true. I mean, if you want to follow us on IG, you know, at Third Line Plug, that's not the... But, yeah, I think it's just getting to the point where... I think a lot of the fans really did build themselves up of, okay, we're going to make the playoffs this year. I think a lot, I would not be surprised if a lot of fans have that mindset of, okay, this team is good enough to go to the playoffs. And when they are now in the bottom of the NHL again, that's where frustrations are boiling over. Cause it's okay. What do we need to do now to get this over the hump? Well, I think it's like, I don't want to call it naivety, but it's like, well, Dorian should have gone out and got a defenseman. Newsflash, he tried. Yeah, he tried and he wasn't willing to pay that price. Well, it wasn't even he wasn't willing. Like, he, like, it seems like he would have had something set up for Uyghur had Calgary not traded Kachuk for Uyghur and Huberdo. Yeah. I heard, like, people were suggesting he might have been in on Marino, which means he got beat by New Jersey. Like, that's the thing. It's not just Dorian making these choices in a vacuum. He He's reacting and acting in a space with 31 adversaries. Like, yeah, no, sometimes other teams are going to do things that muck up the GM's plans. And, like, unfortunately for us, it was the defense really needed that upgrade. And the other thing is, like, Dorian definitely says a lot of shit. Like, remember when he was perfectly comfortable going into training camp with three goalies, and then not even a week later, Murray is in Toronto? And Gustafson's in Minnesota? I don't think, no, Gustafson already got went to Minnesota before all that happened. No, no, like, he said, I'd be comfortable with three. And then all of a sudden, everyone but Forsberg is gone. Like, yeah, 
Dorian says shit. He's actually pretty good at not tipping his hand. No, and I think the thing that, again, going back to the fans here, is that another big thing with the breaking point of the fan base is the fact that he openly said DJ's not the problem. When you watch games and you're thinking, okay, well, you could look at, okay, why are you not playing Stutzla and bring it together? Why are you playing dump and chase? Why are you not making adjustments during the power play? These are all, now the power play is a little bit issue because you have a power play coach. Most of this falls on DJ Smith. Although to be fair, the Giroux Stutzla Kachuk is the only thing that's working for him right now. Do you break that up? No, not if it's working. If it wasn't working. Like that's the only thing that's working. Right? Yeah. Do you take Giroux off the line and put in Debrinkat? Like, what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, like and I like said, losing I Josh idea. Norris. That's the unfortunate thing is losing Josh Norris. Yeah, and like, then you lose Shane Pinto too. Yeah. The injuries, like this was a team that needed everyone to be healthy plus a little bit of hot clock to make the playoffs. And you've had very key injuries so far. And despite the goalies playing quite well, just weird sequencing. Like the Ottawa Senators should be like on the outside looking in right now. Let's be real. Yeah. And they've played that well. Those first six games. How do you even say the last seven two with the omission of the New Jersey game? Like, those were games where the Ottawa Senators looked good. Like, remember how good they played against, like, Vegas? Yep. Or even New- the Islanders early this week. Like, the Ottawa Senators have had a tough schedule, and as much as it doesn't look that way in the win column, they've, they've played to their outs pretty well. Like, they should have beat they should have beat Vancouver easy. They, sh- they should have beat Philadelphia the first time. They got them the second time. Yeah. Hell. They probably should have beat Minnesota. Yeah. Their games against Boston were close. They're losing the they're losing the teams they should have beat. And it's just because either in the case of Vancouver, Lamo, Spencer, Martin. Philly, Carter Hart. Philly. Lamo, Carter Hart. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um like that's the frustrating thing about these games, is it's just it's just a lot of well, it happened. And you never know when a goalie's just going to get hot, right? Yeah, look at Hammond. Like, look at Hammond. And that that just kind of comes with being a sports fan. So I do want to make one comment here, because honestly, I have no real comments to make in this game. I do want to make a mention about the Devil players. Now, back in the day of the, you know, NHL 06, 07, 2K7, those games, they had a lot of computer-generated free agents in this game. (laughs) <laughs> some of those names and you think that's a made-up name i look at the devil's roster and i'm like okay half of these players are not even real like akiri schmidt akira schmidt don't even know who that is german goaltender apparently rankovic not even a real guy don't even know who he is i'm looking at these names and i'm like that's that's totally made up come on that's like something out of 2000 
NHL 06. Yeah, I guess. I'm kicking myself for not taking a bet on Dougie Hamilton this year, though. Damn. Yeah, no. Although man, some, my, somebody yeah, who did some do mess. a bet on this game was my cousin Derek. Uh-huh. So my cousin Derek, as I mentioned, he's a New Jersey fan. One of his coworkers, Scott Crossman, got to meet got to meet him back in the spring. Actually, he's listener third line plug. Neat. They made a bet. My cousin ended up winning 20 bucks off this game. <laughs> Come on, Scott. You know better than to bet with Derek up on the devils. <laughs> Well, at least I got that out of my system. So that's good, Tim. Yeah. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on these games before we head off to the close for another evening? Nope. All good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sanscast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter and now on Instagram at Third Line Plug. On Twitter, Tim is at M901 Honey Badger, and I am at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E Gipster on both accounts. Now, Tim, for this upcoming week, at the time of this moment right now, it's 7 p.m. Pacific time on Monday. In half an hour, the Ottawa Senators will be playing Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks in San Jose. Wednesday night, they will be in Las Vegas to play the Vegas Golden Knights. And Friday, they are playing the Anaheim Ducks for American Thanksgiving. Actually, by the way, I think that's another bring... reason why I'm driving down. is oh, because nice. I want to go to Target. Because did I tell you, my sister's boyfriend, when they came back from California, I, th- I don't think they were at Walmart or Target or wherever the fuck they were at. They got these, like, Dempster peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and they kind of have like the look of like a mini pie it sounds it looks weird it it's on it's like bread and all that crap i ate one oh it's so good it almost oh, has God. like a it's it's weird and it kind of has like the texture of how do i describe this like a like a pierogi that's not that's been boiled it has that kind of you know you know what I'm talking about, right? When you boil yeah. a pierogi and you bite into it, that's the kind of texture it has, except it's dry. It's not bad. Actually. <laughs> it's not bad, Tim. It's not bad. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Tim Gibson, and this has been Tim Jancy. Go, Sam. Woo!